1: Hello and welcome to the Comedians Playing Fantasy Premier League podcast with me, Matt Ford. And me, John Richardson. This is the podcast where we follow the highs and lows of fantasy football. Joining us on the show this week is West Brom Ultra, Adrian Childs.
2: Ultras, is it? That's what I've heard. He's a bad boy, isn't he?
1: Oh, he's a naughty, naughty man.
2: They're having trouble, aren't they, the West Bromwich Albions. You what? They're having trouble, aren't they, the West Bromwich Albions.
1: They are, yeah. Do you take
2: pleasure in that? Uh, No, not really. I've I've nothing against West Brom. They're, I think they're one of those sort of teams that most people find inoffensive, yes. excepting, of course, the other teams in the West Midlands. They're there or thereabouts. Aren't they They don't do anyone any harm. They're a bee, not a wasp.
1: Oh, Yeah, I mean, bees are, are actively good, aren't they? I, I'm a big fan of bees, whereas I hate wasps. You we were
2: a big fan of that one that landed on you when we were on our way to the England game. I shit myself. You when did shit yourself, it, Oh, if
1: it yeah. lands on you, you're scared, obviously, aren't you? Because they, their sting can hurt. And for me, uh, suffer of anaphylaxis, it can be lethal. Mm-hmm. So that was a near-death experience for me. And I thought, in that context, I handled it very well.
2: Were you pleased with how I helped you out by sort of slowly backing away from you? You shit yourself as well, didn't you? That was the problem. You squealed
1: and ran over the road and just left I me there. with
2: shit both of ourselves. With a lethal bee. Yeah, Lethal
1: B sounds like a good... Oh, I guess Lethal Bizzle. Maybe that's where he got it from. Maybe he suffers from anaphylaxis.
2: Possibly. Let's get him on the show and ask him.
1: <laughs> I'd be up for that. So, Charles, he'll probably put us in touch. Charles has probably knocked him out before. I bet those two can't be in the same room together.
2: Yeah, I know, Bizzle.
1: I <laughs> knocked him out at uh, <laughs> Alfreton Train Station. <laughs> Oh, no. Of course, I wasn't meant to be there, but there was a traffic. We can't impersonate a man when he's about to come on, coming. That is deeply, deeply offensive. No, well, I Agent, would have stopped at You can't
2: impersonate the man. Oh.
1: So as we record, John, I'm ahead 61 points to your 57. There are four points in it. You've got one last player to play, and it is Nottingham Forest's Nico Williams, who I benched, along with my other two Forest players.
2: Yeah, you benched all three of your Forest players this week, didn't you, Snake? You know what? I should have put... I've forgotten to... Because... Didn't Jenko play yesterday? No, he didn't. So the good news for you is that... Well, no, that's good news for you, because the bad news for me is that Rhys James came on for about a minute and a half of Chelsea's simple clean sheet so had James either played the full game I would have got probably six or seven points had he not come on at all I would have got Eric Dyer off the bench for six points and I would be ahead at this point and fairly confident of a win you've actually benefited from Zinchenko not playing at all which means you do still have Jesse Lingard
1: I do but I think Williams is the best forest player for points so You've well, if you keep advantage. a
2: clean sheet tonight, then, I, I, look, I'm not going to lie to you, I'd written this week off when uh, when the James incident happened. I've made some big mistakes, do you know what I mean? Uh, Madison only got one point this week. It, it, Mo Salah's got to go. I look forward to spending that money this week. It's like losing a tooth. It's been painful, <laughs> but I'm going to get some money. So Salah's had his chips, he's out of here. I shall spend that money hopefully, to bring in... What I can't do is bring in the players you've got. I, I want Almiron, but I'm not going to do that because it makes the game boring. And I want Cancelo. I'm not going to lie to you, I might do that anyway. Um, Copycat. But uh, I'd sort of written this week off and seeing now that there's only these few points in it and that I've got to tell you, nothing would make me happier than, than a nil-nil. Uh, Forest Villa, Lingard gets the nominal two points and maybe Nico Williams gets six or seven and I beat you because of Forrest's success. I think that would bring me great joy.
1: I know it would. I mean, obviously, the, the flip side of that would mean that Forrest had done well, so that would be good.
2: Is nil-nil is doing well? I guess for you guys, sure. <laughs> points on the what, board what, would be good. What made you... I mean, obviously... You put Zinchenko in. I understand Arsenal are flying. They were always going to concede against Liverpool, even if he had played. So you have more faith in Arsenal keeping a clean sheet against Liverpool, more faith in Palace keeping a clean sheet against Leeds, than you do in in Forest at home to fellow strugglers, let's be honest, Aston Villa.
1: John, there are two separate things here. One is my loyalty and love of Nottingham Forest, so I want to win every game they play. And comes second second to... Cold, hard, brutal reality of FPL. Mm-hmm. There is no point playing this game to lose, is there? I have to make rational decisions
2: often in no, the but that's what I'm saying. Even I, as a neutral, I decided that it was more worth putting Nico Williams in against Aston Villa than it was putting Eric Dyer in because I thought, well, do you know what? Tottenham would probably concede in that game. As it happens, they didn't. I made a big mistake. Uh, but I would have thought that you, even, even neutrally, even using your what you call your cold, hard, brutal FPL head, would have said, is it more likely that Liverpool will knock one in against Arsenal or Villa will against Nottingham Forest? So where's your head at? You think Forrest are going to get thrashed. I took
1: the decision I took based on the evidence available at the time. And in FPL, the only thing you can give to the league is your judgment. Mm -hmm. And when the time comes when you feel like your judgment is compromised, then it's time to have some very difficult conversations. As you say, you called it wrong on Eric Dyer. I did. So to sit here and make out that these things are obvious when the game hasn't been played yet, I think he's very, very dangerous. And I think it I think it spreads poison into the FPL community to judge these things before they've happened. And I think you should reflect on your choice of words and what well, it does big, to our game.
2: The big mistake I made was Rhys was James. And uh, I, I kept him in. We're now getting to that point where the big sides are going to start resting players. And we'll see what... Knock-on effect that has on FBL. I will say this, at least I didn't play my wild card specifically to bring in Rhys James, uh, as did our producer Danny Carr this week. So I dare say he's spitting feathers on the other end of the line.
0: I'm furious. I took out Cancelo and Martinelli.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> that is oh, 30 terrible. points taken out for the gain of one. That's a, that's a net loss of 29 points for producer Danny there. Uh, top of the league remains, I mean, amazing to say it, really. Hemorrhoid FC, Joe Wilkinson, remains top of the league. But I'll tell you what, breathing down his neck, it's those two snakes again, Ian Sterling and Russell Howard, uh, both Liverpool in the boys. 70s this week. Yeah, the Liverpool boys, the FPL nerds. Can I call them the sexy guys?
1: They're both good looking fellows aren't they? Let's Shall be we honest. Do that?
2: Yeah, the sexy guys. So we've discussed our teams, we've discussed the league. Let's get a, a categorical end to the mathematical FPL chat with Fordy Statpak.
1: Okay, so it's not the rat pack, it's not the rat pack, it's 40 stat pack, the team of the week. Let me just get this up. So, the highest scoring goalkeeper was Lloris with mm. 10 points. Cancelo with 18. I brought him in. Lovely. Romero with 8 for Spurs. Koulibaly, uh for Chelsea with 8 points. Across that middle, if you played with a five-man midfield, you would have wanted uh, Bruno with 15 points. No,
2: no, L- no, no, no. Full name, please. I'm excited to hear the full name.
1: Bruno Guiamadiz. <laughs> Is that right? Think,
2: yeah, it'll do for me. I like it. Do Saka it with 50.
1: <laughs> Bruno Guilherme okay, fifteen. Okay, we points. don't talk
2: about Bruno no more.
1: Yes, Saka with 15 points. Martinelli with 12. Mount with 12. Good for oh. England. I mean, think about that. Foden with 11. Foden, Mount and Saka. Great yep. news, England! You like and to
2: see it, don't you? Top
1: Scamacca for West Ham, who I'm starting to look at with hungry eyes, and Ronaldo scoring his 700th league goal with nine points. I don't Shall get I that. Talk? Then surely Haaland
2: was a better pick. Um, what did Haaland get this week? I don't think he got. Oh, he got 12. Yeah. So what's going on? Oh no, no, then? he didn't. He got six, but we captained him. Oh God, I'm thick. You're a stupid prick. I'm a dumbass. Do you want me to talk to you about Skamaka, who Go I on, own? He's my possession. I own him. Go on then. Um uh, I don't know. He's Oh, great opinion, me. mate. For me, if he oh. scores, yeah. fine. If he doesn't, he's gonna come off half time for Antonio once Antonio is rested and fit. Yeah. So do you want I, I don't want him, I'll tell you that now. I'm having trouble up front. I cannot afford the next level premium strikers. There's this mid range of strikers we're looking at, your yeah. skamakers, your Bamfords. What you've got this season, a difficult situation. A lot of those sort of cheeky sort of sort of strikers, your Almirons, your Trossards, your um Rodrigo's yeah. at Leeds, they're yeah. midfielders on yeah, the goal scoring midfielders. FNBLR. So um You've got a loaded midfield. I mean, not a problem this week because Salah's out of here. He's gone. He's finished. Good news for those who are going to bring him in next week because no doubt he'll score a hat-trick, but I'm getting rid of him so I can beef up that midfield somewhat. But that, that up front, you know, there's a couple, and I think Joe Wilkinson's one, who've got Kane and Harland up front. Yeah. And that's a quarter of your budget gone on two players. Yeah, but he's top and of the league, he's that's, that's without your De Bruynes, your Sons, you know, your Salahs. You've got to learn from the winners, John. You're Trents.
1: Learn from the winners.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do I want to be learning from Joe Wilkinson? Am I there yet? Am I a comfortable enough man to admit that the man is outperforming me? No, I'm not. Let's move on. Well, I'm delighted to say that I am joined uh, this week by the wonderful Adrian Childs wearing, if I'm not mistaken, was that a uh, Cyril Regis hoodie and drinking from a West Brom mug? That is uh, that's correct, yes. Fully on message. I'm supposed to start by asking you about FPL. I, I'm, I'm itching to get onto West Brom because it's been a very exciting week. But do you or have you ever played fantasy football? I tried once,
0: got into it, and then got out of it about an hour and a half later. <laughs> I just see the lads around me at the Albion who do it.
2: It mm. seems
0: to change their relationship with the game and they're looking at the phones. What yes. more than the actual
2: match. That may be a symptom of recent West Brom matches.
0: Yeah, but he stopped my brother stopped doing it. He just said it's just getting too much. You know, you just get obsessed with it and I've got enough things I'm obsessed with, so I didn't want to add that to it. And I don't like the way it sort of started to inveigle itself into Proper football coverage, you know, when they start talking about it on football focus and and final score and the athletic have got somebody looking at it and everything. It's Look, if that's the way it's going, I don't want to be the kind of old fart, John, who, you know, doesn't move with the world, who says everything was better in his day. So each to their own. I don't criticise it. I just not. I don't want to be part of it.
2: Uh, it is. Um, you're right that it. I mean, it, it is an addiction, which is why we milk that by doing a podcast about it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's So last season when me and Fordy played. Obviously, Fordy were in the championship. It, it, he was worse at it because it is more of a full-time job. If you're watching Premier League football anyway, because your team's there, you sort of know the players, you sort of know the rotations. If your team is lower down and you're fully invested in that team, you do have to make a conscious effort to then learn about the Brighton squad in a way that you just wouldn't, I think, yeah. The the championship is such, it is already, there's more games in it. You're obviously, then you're involved in all the cup competitions. Following a club in the championship is a full-time and very stressful job anyway.
0: Yeah, that's true. But interestingly, what I've struggled with professionally, and which certainly wouldn't help me in, uh, in FPL, is that my interest in football generally is entirely dependent on how the Albion are doing.
2: I'm sorry to hear that.
0: So, well, I mean, look, it, it, it's held me back. I'm not particularly proud of this, but I'm doing much of the day too, you know, when we were in and out of the Premier League then. I mean, if the Albion had lost, actually, whichever division we were in, if the Albion had lost, you know, I'd drive away from the ground. I wouldn't even listen to Sports Report. <laughs> I'd put some sad music on, like Fodde's <laughs> Requiem and i And I'd, literally, I'd go into work the following Day to do match of the day on on Sunday, I'd go in at one o'clock and the producer would go, oh, Liverpool yesterday or something. I'd go, yeah. I, I literally wouldn't know what the scores were. I just had, the only way I could deal with it was to just turn away, was to just ignore it pretend, it, pretend none of it had happened. So, you know, that would hold me back with FBO as it probably held me back in my football broadcasting career because we were normally hopeless So I was normally short of interest.
2: So let's talk briefly about West Brom at the minute. I won't dwell on it, but obviously we're talking to you in the week that Steve Bruce has been sacked. Yeah. What did you make of all that? Because my knowledge of West Brom is basically what I see on Twitter, and he seemed to be trending on an almost sort of every other day basis. Well,
0: I've got this thing which you're welcome to take part in whenever you have any thoughts. You take any manager in football. Mm -hmm. After them is a number. Right. And that number is the number of consecutive games they can lose from this moment before they get sacked. Right. Right. So every, every manager, no matter who, has got that number after their names. So Klopp at the moment, what is it? What do you reckon? If he lost the next six games, would he get sacked? Even with his record, Guardiola, he's, pro- he's probably on sort of I don't know, seven games. How many consecutive games could Man City lose before Guardiola got the got the heave ho?
2: I'd, I'd I'd say into double figures. I would say he could do ten just because He's Guardiola right. with that squad with with
0: Harland and everything, he could lose ten games and still not get the push. <sighs> I'm not sure. All I'm saying to you is on that metric, right? Steve Bruce has been on <laughs> one game yeah. for about uh, for, you know for about sort of six months now. I mean, he's not the big, you know, he wasn't, isn't the biggest problem, you know, at the, at the club.
2: No, um, well, that's what I'm getting at, I guess, because, you know, f- from a sort of outsider's perspective, Steve Bruce clearly isn't one of the worst managers in football, but the vitriol, yeah. you know, pointed at him. So The,
0: the vitriol is, I mean, the, the, the club is, you know, it's not clear who's in charge. There's a Chinese businessman called Mr. Lai, uh, who right now. is in China is rarely seen over here. It's not absolutely clear. It's actually him who owns it, but he's the the name on it. And nobody really knows who's in charge. Everyone knows he wants to sell. You know, it's just the problem. It's very very little you can do to get rid of an owner as a fan. I'm so. You, I mean, you can get a manager the sack. By just making their lives a misery, effectively you can. I mean, if enough people around the ground start booing and hissing, yeah, all the time. With the owner, it's a bit like um, being a Republican. You know, you, you, you know, you, you could, you know, you, you can't get rid of the monarch, no matter what the monarch does. You, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. Whereas, you know, with a politician, in this analogy, you know, you can, you can vote a politician out. You know they, it's, it's a bit like that, you know you're stuck with the owner, but managers come and go. So I think to some extent he's born the he's, you know he's born the brunt of that anger, he's the outlet for that anger. but on the other hand, with the squad we've got, mm. you know, we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be where we are. we've got some half-decent players. We took it all. we brought them to our land. an endless night. Ember, hot and icy gold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did.
2: And in the end...
1: What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade
2: 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And there's some good names on the list. Chris Wilder, Sean Dyche, Scott Parker. Proven. Promotion. Uh, winning managers? Well, we've had a lot of proven managers,
0: you know, who've had success down the line. I mean, look, Bruce, okay, an unha- unhappy time at Newcastle. The whole fans won't have a bad word said against him. You know, even Allardyce has had his, had mm. his time, Pardue, You know, Poulis kept us up, arguably playing anti-football. But somebody said to me, oh, we'll get one of the usual suspects. But I mean, I said, well, we can't without because we've had them all now. We've had the Grand Slam: Poulis, Pardew, Allardyce, and <laughs> you know, Who Who else? Who else is there? But I mean, <laughs> any, any of those managers they speak to, they'll say, right, what's the plan at this club? I mean, nobody there will be able to tell them because nobody actually knows, you know, so...
2: No, and the other alternative is when people say that, oh, we'll get one of the usual suspects, is you're in a position where you're in trouble and then you go for a sort of wildcard name and nobody's going to like that either because then you're going to get there, well, they've never managed at this level and they don't know what they're doing. So who, who would you... Do you have a preferred candidate? I've got almost a morbid
0: fascination with Roy Keane uh, do Current favorite. And I I Roy And I mean, you know, and I still think, I still think he's got a, a management job in him. I still, you know, in his heart, I don't think he wants to be a pundit. I think he wants to be a manager.
2: In his heart. I don't think he wants to be anything. Did you see the footage of him this weekend turning down a selfie? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> just, there's an anger deep in the heart of that man that, um, <laughs> It's absolutely hilarious because I watched it a few times. I think I think he's clearly mouthing, "Let's do it after the game." You know, yeah. he's not saying no, but he's saying it in such a way that says, "But equally, if you were to die in the next seven minutes, I'd be fine with that as well."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, it gets on his nerves that kind of thing. You know, yeah, and probably loses a loss le- in the end. It ex- you expend a loss less
2: energy. Oh hundred percent
0: rather than objecting to it,
2: you know. The, Absolutely. Have the picture, get up, take three seconds, and then you're not you're not on Twitter. But I think you know, if
0: you market yourself as Mr. Cheeky Chappy Nice guy And I do. Right, and then you refuse to have a selfie, then that's a bit beneath contempt. But I mean, everyone knows Roy's a Roy's what Roy's about. So yes. you know, so you know, you, you know, ask at your own risk.
2: And I guess in that sense, the guy who went up has probably got a better story than if he'd had the, he'd have a picture with him and a grumpy Roy Keane, or he gets to say, Roy Keane told me to off in the middle of a football game. Yeah. It's probably what he wanted. Um, so he's, he's the current favorite. He's also in your book. So we should talk about the book because, uh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. book is the good drinker. And it it comes off the back of I think a lot of people have seen the 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 documentary you did, which we spoke about the last time I saw you I, I absolutely loved it's very sort of uh triggering because it's about what would you call it not undiagnosed alcoholism is maybe a bit harsh, but no. certainly when you drink too much, but as you would say you you don't look like what you yeah, understand yeah. an alcoholic to look
0: like no, i don't I don't think I believe in alcoholism as a disease because if it's a disease. That it's something you have or haven't got, and it's quite easy as a big drinker to convince yourself you haven't got it. There's, you know, you can say, well, you know, I don't sleep on a park bench, which is how a brilliant Alcoholics Anonymous sort of advertising campaign put it. Just because you don't sleep on a park bench doesn't mean you're not an alcoholic. I mean, I would yes. say I wouldn't phrase it like that. I'd say just because you don't sleep on a park bench doesn't mean you've got some dependence on alcohol. I mean, with me. You know, I couldn't say I didn't have a dependence on alcohol. I was drinking every day or right, I wasn't getting smashed. I wasn't getting hangovers. You know, it wasn't really outwardly affecting me. But, you know, how could, it, how could I say I wasn't addicted to alcohol if, if I was just drinking every day? So it's addressing the kind of big drinkers who yeah. think they can drink with impunity. Well, in the end, A, it will catch up with you, B, you know, Drinking less enables you to enjoy it more. You know, I, I really believe that.
2: Well, that's what's what I think is really interesting about the the documentary because obviously a lot of those things are made by sort of recovering alcoholics, and and there's there's a sort of weight to them, and there's there's an element of of your. Uh, book and the document it's almost a love letter to to drinking well isn't it it's almost saying if if you yeah. love this and you think it's fun then work out a way that you can do it for a long time exactly. you talk about uh tommy doherty in the book the the manager said if if i'd known i was going to live this long i'd have looked after myself better and you're yeah. almost encouraging people plan ahead so that you can i love that thing you say about i want to be able to in 20 and 30 years walk into a pub of an afternoon with a paper have a couple of pints and know i can stop after those couple of pints.
0: Yeah, and also know that i have knackered my liver. Yes, I don't know whether you saw the bit about Paul Cook, who's the drummer in the Sex Pistols. He's a he's a he's a mate of mine because actually he drinks in my local pub. And he, when after the documentary came out, he'd say to me, "Oh God, i would just like a couple of pints. Do you think I'm just too much? You know, when I come out, I said, Cookie, yeah, after what you went through in the seventies, I, <laughs> I, I think this is mild.'" And he, I said, how come you weren't addicted to heroin? He said, oh, I was, I was. But you know, I, I said, how'd you get off it? He said, oh, I don't know, I just did. And then he said something interesting. He said, He said um, the tragedy with heroin, it was wasted on young twats like me. <laughs> he said, because when you really need it, he said, when you really need it, is when you're old, you know, you, you're knackered, your are legs hurting, you know, you just want to get down the pub, but you're in too much pain or whatever. That's when you need heroin. He said, trust me, I'll be on the gear the whole time when I'm that old. <laughs> I don't think he was being entirely serious, but that's kind of the same thought, you know,
2: save the alcohol. I bring up Roy Keane uh, because he's, he's in the book, the quote of his, that, you know, it's very easy to always find an excuse to drink, either because work has gone well or work has gone badly or you've had a lot on or you haven't had anything on. Yeah. And and that's the bit I think that, that's really interesting in the book. And I think if you drink, you surround yourself with people who drink and you suddenly yeah. think the outliers are the people who don't drink anything at all. That actually yeah. when you do meet someone who's teetotal or just doesn't drink during the week, you think, oh, they're weird. But you were saying in the book, there are so many more of them than us.
0: I mean, that it fascinates me. And it was actually, it was a good six months after the documentary finished when I realized I'd slightly been looking at the whole thing through the wrong end of the telescope because I'd been talking about problem drinkers like me. um, And I'd been conforming to the idea that what everybody drinks too much. But, you know, that is just a lie that Mm -hmm. big drinkers tell themselves. The most compelling research I've seen or the most believable, if you like, says that of all drinkers, so set aside the teetotalers you just mentioned, you know, people who aren't drinking for religious reasons or, you know, maybe they're recovering alcoholics, but anyway, don't just a drop. Of all drinkers, like what percentage are drinking 14 units or less, i.e. within the guidelines? You know, 14 units basically being seven pints a week, right? 14 units a week is the guideline. Now you ask most drinkers what percentage? of drinkers are drinking that little, as they'd see it, they'd say none. Mostly you get the, when I ask people that question, I get the answer none, or maybe sort of 5%. Well, the answer is 70%. Wow. So 70% of all drinkers are drinking 14 units or less. You know, but and I think that's a better way that the public health messaging should look at it and say, look, you know, most drinkers are drinking within the guidelines. So be like one of them. You know, it's also at the outline.
2: Yes absolutely and the, and the book's full of uh, practical tips as well isn't it for continuing to drink but drinking less and I think that's its strength because certainly for me the book that made me go vegan was a book called Eating Animals and that's yeah. written by a guy who wants to eat meat that's written by a guy who says look I've got kids I want to watch them eat a big roast chicken dinner and I want yeah. to have a steak on my birthday but here are the reasons why I've chosen not to do that and, and your book is the same it says you know I understand that impulse to have a a pint with the paper, and a couple of pints of the footman, and here's how you can do that long-term. So it's yeah. called the, the Good Drinker, How I, I Learned to Love Drinking Less, and it's out yeah. now. Um, it's a good point to bring in that M- Matthew is not with us because he was at the Forest game last night, so yeah. he's currently hung over on a train, um, having celebrated a fantastic point for Nottingham Forest, and we wish them all there the best. There was
0: something dead about that
2: game. I, I was
0: busy, I switched it on, and it's one of those, you know, when you switch your telly on, and it was already on that channel. You expect to hear the roar. Yes. You know, a buzz before the picture comes on properly and you can hear the, you know. And then it was like I turned onto a nature program or nothing or something. <laughs> I and mean, the game was going on. It was just, it was just all rather quiet.
2: I was in Nottingham last night on tour. So I was I was in the same city, eight o'clock kickoff. And I said to the audience, like, I'm not I'm not going to tell you not to check your phones because I know you're going to anyway. So let's have a chat and check the score. And honestly, the game sort of didn't impinge on the gig at all. I think it was wow. when the, uh, even uh, Forest fans were like, oh, I, d- I don't mind that I've missed that one. It doesn't sound like it was any great yeah. shakes, but it's, it's a point for them. And, and, and can I just say on behalf of all Leeds fans, I hope they get two more this season. Um, But Fordy would not want me to not ask. He's become obsessed with... I used the word shit-eater on the podcast um, a few weeks ago, and Fordy's become obsessed with it. And he he wants me to ask all of the people we interview if they've ever either called someone or been called a shit-eater. No. No. Good. Um, He would want me to ask as well, we have some disagreement about the pronunciation of Jack, Jack G's name, Um, Grealish, Graylish. Gray-Arlish, you, 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 you're a native of that neck of the woods. How do you say
0: it? I pronounce it twat.
2: <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'll go Grealish. Grealish. I'll take your first answer. Yeah. Um, and also... Can I ask you a
0: question? Sorry, just briefly. Yes, sir, go on. You, you know, because during the, you know, the, the last days of, of Steve Bruce, mm-hmm. a lot of people were mentioning the C word uh, being cabbage because obviously a villa he had a cabbage thrown at him before. yes but just it's never i've asked a number of villa fans this it's never emerged who the cabbage thrower was do you want us to try and hunt them down if you can find the cabbage thrower i'd be i'd be i'd be very grateful
2: well it's hello at cpfpl.com if you uh i mean if you want to confess uh, to doing it, that would be fine. But if you, if you think you know who the person who threw the cabbage was at uh, Steve yeah. Bruce, then uh, get in touch. Um, I do I, you know I'd completely forgotten about that incident. It's, a, it's one of the things that it's a mad thing to get into a game, isn't it? A cabbage. Once you've got the cabbage in, there's uh-huh. no way you're not throwing it. I mean, where'd you put the cabbage, though? I mean, it's a. Yeah. I mean,
0: also, yeah, it packs a punch. I mean, it's probably. I mean, if it was a Savoy cabbage, that would be. You know, that's a bit sort of flappier, but a, a, a white cabbage, a, white or a cabbage. cabbage, that packs a punch. I mean, I think it's probably the third most dangerous thing to lob after. Well, it's a toss up otherwise between a Swede and a butternut squash.
2: A oh, Swede is a good shot. I was thinking watermelon, but I've made the classic mistake of going for size, not density. And yeah. As soon as you said I
0: mean, Butternut squash probably isn't as dense as a Swede, but. I mean, it's like, it's like wood, isn't it? Knocking on. I mean, I wouldn't like one of
2: those. I'll tell you what I feel with a butternut squash as well. You could grip it at the base almost like a sort of American football and go over <laughs> the arm and get a yeah. spin on it. I think in terms of distance, you could probably get the furthest lob on a butternut squash.
0: Or small and dense, you could go for a turnip.
2: I'll tell you what you've done. You've you've stumbled across here a a game that Matt and I will play, and we'll put this to bed for you. I will meet him in a in an abandoned sports field with a range of hard vegetables, (laughs) and we will find out which can be tossed the furthest. We also because we are in this FPL league, it's getting depressingly close now. So we set forth for each other on sort of failure. I usually fairly confident Matt's going to lose, but it's actually five four now. Do you um, do you have any suggestions for a forfeit for whichever one of us uh, finishes bottom this season? I think
0: it would be to cook a bottom-up squash <laughs> using only your bare hands. So you've got, but obviously you've got. I'll give you a pan. I'll yeah. give you whatever oil or butter or garlic you want, but you've got to get inside that butternut squash without the benefit of a, a sledgehammer or a knife or anything like that.
2: I tell you what, I, I could interview a 1,000 people on this podcast and, and not one of them would I say that they would suggest a forfeit to be penetrating a butternut squash using only bare hands. It's ingenious.
0: There is a way to do it, by the way. You can roast them whole in the oven and it does soften the skin, but I'm not allowing you to do that. You've only got a stovetop pan to cook. you got to in. get into it raw. You've got to get into it raw. Um, I mean, you might try throwing it off a high building, but then it would splat. Yeah, and then, you know, you've got to make sure there's no one around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, take somebody out. I mean, it might be Steve Bruce walking past, but you can't be, you know, that would be an extraordinary coincidence.
2: Good luck to West Brom. I hope they bring you some joy this season. I hope things turn around. Um, don't be silly.
0: Come on. But anyway, football always ends in misery. This is what we don't say. It always ends in misery. You know, every season, you know, about four supporters of about four or well, maybe half a dozen teams are happy. But Man City finish... I feel sorry for Man City fans. They end up finishing second. It's going to feel like the end of the world. Imagine what that's like.
2: Yeah. Well, let's end with a, 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 that. That's a lovely moment to end on. Commiserations to all Man City supporters. Yeah. And um, we, we, we share in your pain. Um, Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, see you soon. Cheers, mate. Anytime. That's all we've got time for this episode. We'll be back later in the week with another... Bye! Oh, before we fully say
1: bye... Bye. Do leave a five-star written review. And don't forget, head to anotherslice.com slash cpfpl. I think that's the right address for extra goodies and... Um, when we put the live date on sale, another slice subscribers get
2: priority on tickets. And I think you said you'd kiss them all on the way in, wouldn't you, and buy them their first drink? Oh, I'm happy to buy someone a pint. Okay, I'll buy a couple. I'll go. stick a couple of quid behind the bar for
1: another slice. Um, what do we call them? Another slices?
2: Yeah, the slice. The slice crew. That sounds a bit like sort of people who'd be described as intense.
1: Yeah, the slice crew sounds like um, a kind of a gang.
2: Yeah, we don't want that, do we? Yeah, do we? the
1: Waltzall Slice crew, you're like, oh my God, they're feared.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so maybe it's more, I, you know what, I always like the kind of the Diamond Club, you know, the sort of platinum, and you know, when they try and make like different tiers of memberships sound very exclusive.
2: Okay, then. The Slice Club.
1: The Slice Club.
2: Yeah.
1: Platinum Slice. Platinum Slices. Slice. We'll the work slice,
2: on it. Slice Girls. Oh, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the slice girls. All right. And then it's kind of um, got a you know, it's got a
2: you can tweet at comedians FPL, you can email hello at cpfpl dot com. We're on Instagram comedians playing FPL and Facebook Comedians FPL. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.
1: John, uh are you sitting down? Yes. Excellent. I've got some very exciting news.
2: You've ordered me a new chair.
1: <laughs> no, better. We've been approached to make our very own CPFPL beer to accompany the podcast with Leeds's very own Kirkstall Brewery. I think we should open it up to the listeners to suggest. Get in touch. What should the comedians playing FPL beer taste like? Email us at hello at cpfpl.com with some suggestions. And for a bit of inspiration... Kirkstall are known for their delicious cask beers like Three Swords and Dissolution, as well as modern hoppy beers like Virtuous and Judicious. So what should it be like? Should it be dark and bitter like John's soul? Or should it be light and positive, sparkling and popular? like um, one of my mates. As well as brewing great beer, they also own some of the best pubs in West Yorkshire, like the Kirkstall Bridge Inn and the Cardigan Arms in Leeds, the Sparrow Beer Cafe in Bradford, and their own taproom at the Brewery on Kirkstall Road. I'm going to do a pub crawl around all of them. Listeners can get 20% off everything on Kirkstall's online shop with the code CPFPL20 and look out for a very special collaboration beer from us and Kirkstall very soon. Just visit the website kirkstallbrewery.com and click on shop you know what I really keep laughing at listen up. <laughs> really the kid is running about listen <laughs> <do. laughs> <It's> up. really funny
2: <laughs> that really from? makes me laugh <laughs> Just, where's that from you Just said it generic. to me you you impersonated
1: know. me telling a woman not to swear the other week. <laughs> <Listened>. <laughs> Laura keeps saying it as well. It's really like... It's become a bit of a meme in our house. Oh, like, Kiddie's running about. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> kiddie's running about. <laughs> in front of the little ones.
2: Listen Listen. Absolutely so cool. zero recollection of that, Watson. <laughs> 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 kiddie's running about. <laughs> <laughs> the way you say "listen," to
1: it's so funny. <laughs> it's not. Oh. <laughs>